If you have to go through the fire, he's right there. He'll be there before you get there. Amen. When you get there in the fire, he's already there waiting for you. That's the God that we serve. If you have to be in the lion's den, he was there before you got there. Taking care of the, the lions. They become your pets when you get in there. You can touch their head and say, Sir, sit down here. You be a good behave now. And they'll listen to you. Amen. Because he's always there with us. He's demonstrated it in the, in the Old Testament for us. If you've got a giant in your life, he's got a David. And five smooth stones. Just one will take care of this giant. Amen. That's the way the, our God is. We have to believe this God. Let's not come to God without faith. God requires faith in Him. Trust. That's what that is. That's what honors Him. When you trust God against the situation that you are in, that honors Him. When you fret, it dishonors Him. Because He says, you don't have trust in Him. When you begin to look to people for your resource, you've taken your eyes off Him. And He says, curse is, curse is everyone that puts his trust in man. You can't put your trust in anybody. Your trust has to be in Him and what He can do alone in your life. And sometimes God will let us go through difficulties because he's trying to teach us a lesson. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he said, I allowed you to go through the wilderness and suffer you to hunger. I put you through that. So because I'm trying to know what's in your heart, whether you will listen to me or you'll listen to your circumstances, the things you can pick with your, your five senses. He said, I allowed you to go through that. And I caused you to go through hunger. So that you will learn to know that man does not live by bread alone. But by every word that comes out and proceeds from the mouth of God. You found that in Deuteronomy chapter 8. That's the way God is. He's going to prove you. To see whether your trust is in His Word or your trust is in your own abilities or what people can do for you, what people are saying about your situation and all of that. Or whether you will trust His Word and be calm. Amen. Even though you're going through it. When you are calm and you're resting in God, that means you have entered into His rest. Not your rest, His rest. There remains, Hebrews says, there remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God. And we must enter into His rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? And I'll give you rest. Enter into His rest. Don't mean there will not be troubles. He says, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've taken care of the world. Be of good cheer. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about what the world can throw at you. Be of good cheer. In the world, no, there's no troubles. You will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. I have overcome. In other words, you've got nothing to fear. But fear yourself. Stay away from it. And that's why Jesus constantly told his disciples, uh, those that came to him for help, don't be afraid. Only believe. No matter what is happening, when the disciples were in the, in the boat with him, you remember that? And they were so fearful, and they said, Master, that was a terrible indictment. Don't you care that we perish? He didn't talk to them. He spoke to the wind. And they heard it. Amen? He also spoke to the waves. They heard it. And then after that, they were amazed. And he said, Why were you so fearful? Where is your faith? 
I'm telling you this. When there is a wind, and there's, you have waves, and, and there's a mighty rushing wind around you, and everyone is afraid, if you will stand and speak to the wind, and speak to the waves, you become a wonder to those around you. They'll be one, they wonder about what's going on, how you can handle that. That's what God wants for his children, every one of us. I, you know, many times we relegate things to ministers. When we think that, well, because they are ministers, God should work more in their lives. That's not true. There are a lot of ministers that are having a lot of troubles. They, they can't sleep. They have all kinds of troubles in their lives. They wish they were you. <laughs> Ministry is it's not that easy. They are constantly going through things. So it's never easy. But God wants us to believe Him. God wants us to trust Him. And He will take care of us. We have to be sold out to Him. We have to be like him. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. There's a price to be paid. He said, what man is it, is it that's going to build a house that's not, that will not first sit down and count the cost? There's a price to pay. But once you have you've sat down and you've made up your mind, I'm sold out. No matter what comes at you, you were expecting it doesn't matter you. You just go through it. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had their minds made up. They could care less about the furnace. We're not going to listen to you, king. If you want to kill us, we're ready to die. And we know our God's going to deliver us. But even if he chooses not to, we still will listen to you. We know he's able to. But God was there for them. And delivered them. We must count the cost and be totally sold out to him. And begin to watch him work in your life. He's not for ministers alone. He's for everybody, every child of God. God wants to use every one of us. And sometimes he uses the things that are despised. The things that people think he can never come from that place. And that's what they thought. You know, can anything, any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, God picked Nazareth to do the greatest work on earth. That was a saying. Everybody knew Nazareth is a bad place. Nothing good comes out of that place. But God says, okay, that's the best is going to come from the place that man says is the worst place on the earth. That's the way God is. So I got hope. And you got, <laughs> and you got hope also. God's going to do the best with us. We must never limit God. Amen? Never say God cannot do this. How is God going to do this? When you do a thing like that, you really anger him. You may think it, but don't ever speak it. Because if it comes out of your mouth, it's done. You must never say it. Especially, don't tell another person. If you got a problem with him, talk to him about it. He'll deal with you. But if you say it to some other person, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that because it's, not, it's no longer you, he's spreading and God's going to put a stop to it. He doesn't like it at all. Read in the Old Testament in Exodus. Once they start murmuring and complaining, he's, he's ready to act. He just doesn't. He's, he's that kind of person. You see, God is the same. He doesn't, he's never changed. I know we're in the New Testament, but he wasn't one kind of God. And then some metamorphosis took place and then God became a different type of God. He was the same person. God's never changed. He's never changed. The way he deals with man has changed. There's more mercy, grace. He's able to, to reach down because now he's no longer living in a tabernacle. He lives within you so he can walk with you. 
And so Jesus said, greater things than this shall you do because I go to the Father. He who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works. I told myself, I'm a believer, God. What's going on with me? Why do I have to read about these people? What about me? Are they more special dust than I am? Yeah. Use me too. Even if it's something. But we need to believe God. Every one of you here tonight. You're special. God can, God can use you so greatly. If you can begin to dream. And you get sold out to God. He'll never disappoint you. Don't listen to men. So you can be calm. Jesus knew who he was. Pastor last Sunday talked about it. He knew who he was. He said, I know where I'm from and I know where I'm going. You don't know where you're from and you don't know where you're going. I came from up there. And I'm going back up there. You must know who you are in Christ. So when the devil sees you, he knows here comes trouble. Even if you got saved yesterday, he knows that when you are not sold out to God, he knows you are not sold out to him. And he knows you don't know what the scripture says about you. So he's not scared of you. He knows how to trick you to become afraid. So that he can put you in a corner and beat the daylights out of you. (laughs) But as the God we serve, he wants us. I mean, Jesus meant what he said when he said, you are the light of the world. He meant what he said. The world will be in darkness if we don't exist. Look at what's happening in the world today. Because Christians refuse to stand up. I guarantee you, if you have an atheist coming to our midst, and he sees a truly crippled person that he knows personally is crippled. And he's an atheist. But this day he suffered himself to be in church. And he sees that crippled man walk. He's not going to be an atheist after that Sunday. I guarantee you. When he gets home, he'll be kneeling down and crying out to his God. God, forgive me. And that's why Jesus said we can do these things in him. But believers... Constantly, we are more plagued with what we're going through than what God is wanting us to do. We're constantly concerned about survival. How am I going to make it till tomorrow? Jesus didn't have all of that problem. He knew his needs were going to be taken care of. He left and started doing ministry. Not one day you'll see Jesus wondering about how he was going to have money to support the ministry. You thought about that? He never did any fundraiser. Is that what we call it? Fundraising? He never did any one. Not a single one. He didn't bake any cake to get some money. I know we do that here, and I'm not saying that that's bad. (laughs) I do those things, but my faith is not in them. Because God will support His work. Amen. And God will support you. Because you are His work. Amen. He'll support you. Your life is more important to God than this building. Amen. Can I hear that? Yeah. Your, your life. But what Satan wants us to think is this is the house of God. He's going to take care of that. Well, you are the house of God. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your family. He's going to take care of your children. He's going to bless you. But we have to be sold out. That's where the key is. When you are totally sold out, and it's a decision that you have to make. It's between you and your God. And you commit it to Him in your own private place. And will Satan test it? Oh, yes, he will. But every time you, you are forced to be shaking a little bit, go right back until He makes you a rock. Amen? 
you go right back. But stay sold out to him. That's what the problem is. Christians are so afraid of what people think. They are so afraid to, of being rejected. And so you have a Christian man sitting there and you're hearing something that you shouldn't accept and you're quiet because you don't want to offend anybody. And you know if Jesus was sitting there, he's not going to be quiet. He's going to offend everybody. And if everyone wants to leave him, he's ready for everyone to go, including the twelve. That's why the power is not there. Because we're so afraid of what people think. We're so afraid of what people think. And how, what, how they feel about us. But I tell you what, if you refuse to be afraid, and you're going to stand up for God, He'll put you way on top. Before long, they'll be looking up to you. I don't care where it is. Even at work, your boss, he may be mad. But when he's really sick and the doctors have told him he's going to die, guess who he's going to be talking to? He knows to talk to you. This is the thing that is important. We need to get sold out to God and encourage others to get sold out to Him as well. Always delight yourself in the things of God. For me, by the grace of God, I don't want anybody pulling me to go to church. I don't think that's going to happen in Jesus' name. I made up my mind years ago. You're not going to convince me to go to church on Wednesday night? It's never happened. It's never happened. Nobody tells me what. My mind is made up. Not perfect. But my mind is made up. If you don't want to go, that's your problem. But I know there is a God. I don't know whether he gets his, whatever, checks to check everybody's name that was there. That's not my business. I want to be in his presence. One day I'm going to be with him forever. So nobody's going to force me to go. I want to be there. I don't want to miss anything that he's doing. I've got to be there. And if you are being pulled to serve God, something is not wrong. Something is wrong. You don't have to. To be that way. When people are sick, they don't go anywhere. You have to make them eat, right? If you have to be made to eat, spiritually you're sick. You're sick. That's because you haven't allowed yourself to be sold out to God. Nobody should tell you to read your Bible. I don't even, that's not even in my thought. If I want to get something, I just go to there and I don't, well, I'm going to read my Bible for another five minutes. Oh, oh wow, I've done my duty today. He got nothing out of it except just a little bit of your ease in your conscience. That's nothing. You just don't read the Bible and say, well, that's religion. Stay there and get something from God that you can use for your life. And if you are not, you know, if you are not having that hunger for God in your life, something is not right. You ought to miss the time that you spend with your father. I don't have to do this so people can say, well, he spends time praying. That's part of my life. I'm a Christian. That's who I am. What else should you expect? I don't need you patting my back. That's my life. That's your life. And that's the way God is. There will be days that go by. He just don't want, He knows you're doing what's right. He doesn't bother. He's there for you, just like he did with Abraham. When Abraham left his place and was in the wilderness, he didn't know that he was going the way God wanted him to go. God wasn't walking in front of him. But God said, all of these places that you've been and you're walking around, that's what I've given to you. But he just obeyed. 
But you notice if you read in Genesis, there will be many years that go by and Abraham is just doing his thing. Just obeying the last command he had from God. And then all of a sudden, when there is a new season, God shows up. Not by Abraham's praying, he just shows up. You remember in, in Genesis 18, he showed up. It was a new season. It was time for Sarah to have the baby. Amen. And God showed up. That's the way he is. But you know, Abraham recognized him. Because he was waiting for him. Years have gone by. Since God last spoke to him. And Abraham was sitting and here were three men. And he recognized immediately. (laughs) That's him. How many of us will not recognize if God showed up? You see, that's the way he is. All of a sudden he shows up. A new season had come. Things are going to be different. But you have to be walking with him all along. And going through the torture like Abraham was. When am I going to have this child? When? 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 I got the promise. But notice, he's too fast with the promise. And we are children of Abraham. And God has blessed us. The blessings on our life is called the blessing of Abraham. So if you want the blessings of Abraham, you walk like Abraham walked. And live the way he lived. He was before the law. So we have to understand these things. That God is. Like I said here and before, the word Jesus Christ is the Savior. He takes you to heaven. But living here on the earth, you have to live by his principle. You're not going to be perfect, but he's not looking at the outward. He's looking at your heart. Was there. And how you... How you've made your commitment to him. You know, when things baffle me, and, and this is just me. I don't say you do that, but that's just me. He gives me comfort. You know what I do? I know this one scripture where he says, Whatever you commit to God, he is able to keep until that very day, the very last day. So when things baffle me, and I don't understand what's happening, I tell him and I commit what I want to him. And I let him know, you know, I know this word that you spoke. And I'm, 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 that's where my life is. I'm standing on that word. I believe that word will not fail. And because I know that this word is, I know you'll take me through. I'm going to be okay. And then after that you do it for a while, guess what happens? You have peace from God in that area. And every time, every time that thing comes to your mind, the Spirit of God that speaks to our spirit will learn about this. He tells you, that's okay. He bears witness with you. You don't have to worry about that anymore because the Father has heard you. Amen? He takes care of you. So commit to Him. Tell Him what you want. Make a covenant with Him. Stand on that covenant. No matter what happens, He's going to take care of you. If you can kill God, then you can get me. <laughs> but you can kill him. He's, he's alive forever. He died once and for all. No more. So we can trust him and have no, no reason to be afraid in life. And like Psalm 91, it says, No evil will come near your dwelling. Amen? Did God mean what he was saying? I'm sure he did. All we have to do is align ourselves with God's word. And believe that what he said will surely be. Because that's our portion in life. Many of us are like the other prodigal son, you know. (laughs) In that home, there were two prodigal sons. One stayed at home and the other one left home. (laughs) You agree with me? Maybe you don't. But man, the guy was living in plenty, and his father said, he said, I've been with you all these years, I've been a good son, and you've never given me a fat and calf for, for, my, for my feast. 
And now look, this is your son who's wasted everything. Now he came back and you've killed him. The father said, hey, everything that I own is being used. You should have been, been enjoying yourself. That's your problem. He was prodigal in, at home. <laughs> Don't laugh. You're one of them and me too. <laughs> we're all in this thing. We got all this plenty around us and we're crying out to God. How come you're not killing this for me? He's, what's your problem? I got it all over here with you. You can't see it. He walked and wasn't even enjoying himself. Is that not what we do to ourselves? God wants us to have fun, to enjoy life. Because he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Sometimes in Christian life, it becomes a cliche, which is something that we just say, but we don't really stop to think about what we're saying. He came, that's his mission statement, right? I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And what if it's happening in my life if I don't like it? I tell God, well, now, this doesn't look like abundant life. God, do you think this abundant life? Okay? And if it's not, can we settle this matter? Because you got all the power and you have all the glory. But God will hear if we cry out according to his word. I always remind myself that scripture from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent ones take it by force. In other words, we're saying, and that's not what I read in the word, and I'm not going to accept that. All the circumstances in your life might point to the fact that this is what's going to be for your portion for the rest of your life. But you say, no, that's not my portion. Not according to God's word. And if you stay with that, God's word will prevail in your life. No matter what. I think Romans chapter 12, verse 1, should be something that we must always think about. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow the world to mold you. Don't allow what people say or what you're thinking that is natural that contradicts the word. Don't allow that to mold you to accept something less than what God is made available to you. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, we need our minds renewed. We need to have a new way of thinking. And it's got to be the God's way of thinking. So that we can be what God has prepared for us. We can be just that. We've got to be transformed. You don't transform yourself. God's word will transform you. But we have to have a renewed mind. So that we can be transformed. Forget the past. This is a new day. Forget what's happened in your past. This is a new day. Sometimes it seems like we're just talking. But this is what God requires. If we start believing God in our heart, God's going to change. It may not be overnight. But God will fulfill His word. Usually God will test you to see if you're going to quit. When things don't work the way you expect it. And most people quit. That's why the Bible tells us, that don't be weary in well-doing. Well-doing means standing firm in God's word, okay? Don't be weary in well-doing because you will reap if you don't faint, if you don't give up. But most people will give up even before they get there. I believe that God's wanting to do a great work in our church, especially those of you that are here tonight. God's wanting to do something special in your life, you got to forget the past. Don't cry about something you can't change. It's already behind you. Forgive your past. Look up to a new day. 
Make a commitment. Get sober. Find out scriptures about your life. And God's going to make it great. How? I don't know, but I'm going to keep working. I've always taken that scripture in Genesis chapter 12. Where God told Abraham, I'm going to make you great. I like that. I've taken that to be part of my life. Don't know how that's going to all turn around. But he was the promise of Abraham, right? And I got the blessings of Abraham. He said, everyone who curses you are cursed. I believe that's for me. If you curse me, you're going to pay the price. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's the truth. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every voice that rises up against us in judgment, he says we must condemn. He says this is the inheritance, the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness, he says, is of me. In other words, why? Why do they deserve that? They are not that righteous. God says, forget that. They got my righteousness and that's the best. So that's their heritage. You can't be touched. You really cannot be touched. You touch when you allow the devil to do it. And he uses fear to gain access into your life. So that he can put you there and keep you there with all of these things that are happening. Things coming in the mail and everything. He keeps you there. Now we got responsibility. Your responsibility is put your hands together and decide I'm gonna, things are going to change. The things you can change... Give him your two, your five loaves. You can't just live recklessly and expect God to work. God is not reckless. God is not reckless. Everything has to be done decently and in order. So put things together. Be orderly, but have a determination. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, but you know you're trusting. What is that saying to God? I'm ready for the next level. That's what you're saying. I'm ready. So you got to put everything together. You do what you got to do, and God will take it from there. Jesus didn't pull five loaves from, from heaven. To, he says, what do you have? You remember what he said? What do you have? They gave him five loaves and two fish. And he multiplied. That was the first miracle. Another time they gave him, was it four loaves? You guys don't remember, right? <laughs> They gave him the same thing. There were two times he did those, those same miracles. Two times. But all, both times, he took from them what they had. You have to understand, you have to give God something. And sometimes, in some situations, all you have to give to God is your word. Because there's nothing else to give. Your trust in him. But he's got, he needs that. You've got to give him something to work with. You remember the story? He just was in the Mount of Transfiguration. And he came down. He had three of his disciples, so the remaining nine. Why didn't I say three of his disciples? That was good. <laughs> that's my signature, three. <laughs> the new people don't understand that, but that's everybody can get it. <laughs> but he had three of his disciples with him up there. So there were nine of them back there. And they, was, they had been struggling to cast out a devil from this kid. I'm sure that the father became, became really excited. He had heard about Jesus. He had heard about his disciples casting out devils, going before Jesus and preaching. So he brought his son, hoping for deliverance for his son. And for all of that time that Jesus was up there, they were struggling trying to cast out the devil from his son. Guess what was happening to his faith as they were struggling? His faith was going all the way down. And so when you read the scripture, you have to read between the lines and see what's going on. When Jesus came, he asked, what's, what, what's going on? What, what's, what's happening? What are you arguing? They told him, well, the father immediately spoke to Jesus. And this time, he was in caring whether it was Jesus or the disciples. He spoke to Jesus. I brought my son to your disciples for help. And this is, this is what's been happening. Nothing's going on. And Jesus was talking to him. Jesus said to him, how long has it been that this has been happening to him? You think he didn't know? 
He knew it. He knew the man's faith was down. First of all, he rebuked his disciples. How long will I be with you? How long will I suffer you? How long will I get you to do this and understand you got the power? What went wrong here? And then he started talking to the father. How long has this been? He wanted to know you would give him an information, something he didn't know. He knew it, but the man's faith was already down. And the father spoke out. Well, he's happened to him and uh, he comes in, he throws him in the fire, wants to kill him, he shocks him and all of that. And then the father added, if you can do anything, that was already there. If you can do anything, help me, Jesus said. If I can do anything, the boy's in your court. If, if He just basically told him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. He threw it back at him. Why was he doing that? He, was, he knew the man's faith was down. And he had to bring up his faith. And he says, that's your problem. If you can believe... All things are possible. Immediately, hope came back into his heart. The man said, I believe! I believe! And if there is any kind of unbelief in me, you help me. Help my unbelief. And immediately, Jesus turned to the boy. Why didn't he turn to the boy when he just got there? Take care of the problems. Show his disciples how to do it. No. He had to talk to the man first. Because the man had to give him something. Amen? To work with. And once he came out of his mouth, his mouth, I believe, that was enough. And Jesus then turned to the boy, got the demon out, and end of story. That's the Jesus we serve. He's not wanting you to go through trouble, but you need to give him something to work with. You give him, he'll take it and make a miracle out of it. That's the Jesus that we serve. Amen? Now I'll go back to my sermon. <laughs> All right. But I like talking to you this way. Because I want you to start trusting God for your future. Because I believe God wants to do something great for our church. The time is far gone. You can belittle yourself when God is not doing that. You can focus on your problems. Turn away from those. Focus on what God is speaking in His Word and what God wants for you. That's where to go now. If you put your mind in there, you'll be amazed what God will start doing through you and for you and for your family. How things will begin to change. We need to stop being religious and start taking God seriously. And start acting on God's word. And see what God will do. Don't, don't wonder about what God's going to do through pastor. Wonder about what God's going to do through me. And for me. And for my family. God will take care of pastor. Amen. Keys to biblical prosperity. Number two. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who, ha- who hangs on a tree. So basically, you have a reason to celebrate. There is no curse upon your life. And my, I said it before with my wife here. You can't, nobody can hurt you like you can hurt yourself. Nobody. Not the devil. The devil is totally paralyzed. He really can't do anything in my life unless what I allow him. He's not there. I mean, he exists, but he has no power over me. We came from above. We were born from above. We have no curse upon our lives. And if you feel a curse, break it. Amen? Break it. If you feel like there is an oppression in your life, you got a tongue. That's your life. Break it. I, I can't force myself into your house if I don't want you, if you don't want me in your house, right? Why would the devil come into your house if you don't want him there? That's your house. You tell him to leave. And he's got to leave. He's a spirit and you are a spirit. He is of a lower class. You were made in the image of God. 
you were made in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God gave birth to you. He can take you on. Tell him where to go. If you don't know that, then you have it. Because this is something to celebrate about. God has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Not going to, he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So if anything looks like, feels like, smells like, tastes like a curse, I don't want it. And I can stand my ground. I'm not going to accept it. You know, the devil never really likes to give up. But if you stand your ground, eventually he'll flee from you. God has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law is threefold. That's where I'm going to stop tonight and develop it. The curse of the law is threefold, three different areas. First is, put this down, spiritual death. That's the first curse of the law. The second is... Sickness and disease. That means God redeemed us from spiritual death. Sickness and disease. And the third one is poverty. And the scriptures will show us all of this. So basically, God has redeemed us, not going to, has redeemed us from spiritual death. Number one, he's also redeemed us from sickness and disease. It's written in the word of God. No matter what's happening to me physically, God has redeemed me from these things. And one way or the other, God will reverse this situation and I'm going to be okay. He's also redeemed us from poverty. Those three things. God has redeemed us from the curse of the law because he himself, became those three things. And the scripture talks about those. Jesus experienced spiritual death, even though he wasn't born with that. He died once for us. And the Bible tells us he descended into the deep. He went straight to where the devil was. He shouldn't be there. He experienced what those who were born with spiritual death, experience. He had no way of having that. But Jesus said, as the Father has life in himself, even so has he given the Son to have life in himself, by himself. So he had no spiritual death in himself. But he partook of spiritual death for us, so that we will not have that. He also took our infirmities, if you read in Isaiah, and I'm just giving a brief thing before we go into it. If you read in Isaiah 53, he says, in Isaiah 53 verse 10, he says, he had put him to grief. That word grief in the literal translation is sick. Grief means sick. He had made him sick for us. Yeah, it says, yet it had pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And if you go to the literal translation, where he says he has put him to grief, what he says there, in the, when a Jewish man reads that in the Jewish Bible, he says he had made him sick for us. He didn't just take our sickness. Notice what it says, heaven become a curse for us. God made him sick for us. He also became poor. That us, through his poverty, so he didn't just was poor, he became poor. He became the essence of that. So that us, through his poverty, might become rich, according to the scriptures. Don't get religious on me. Rich means rich. Amen? That's what it says, rich. But we have to believe these things. And then we must walk out our trans. Uh, salvation with what? Uh, thank you very much. We must work it out. We'll work it out. That's our salvation. What it did for us. We've got to work it out daily. 
with fear and trembling. Not fear of the devil, but of the awesomeness of his word. So we can get there. Amen? These things are real. And everyone who believes it is transformed. Amen? When you believe it, your life will be transformed. When your mind is renewed with these words, your life will be transformed. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. If he has said, he'll do it. If he has spoken, he will make it good. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 tells us that. So God is a good God. And God is good in your life. Can I hear an amen? God is great in your life. Amen. God is protecting your life. God is putting everything right in your life. Can I hear an amen? And the future is going to be great. Can I hear an amen? You really believe that? Well, now let's give him a clap offering then. <laughs> Stand up tonight. Stand up tonight. Stand up tonight. Please, don't allow what you're sharing to be just words. They are not just words. We must believe these things and begin to expect. Many times Christians are not expecting much. They just go to church. That's being religious. We need to expect a change in your life, your, family li- your family's life, your children, and everything that's around your life that concerns you. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord tonight. What is that one thing? If, you, if Jesus were to meet with you today and he says to you, son or daughter, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you desire? Do you truly believe that he can change that situation? Can he make it good? May God grant you your heart's desire tonight. Because he's here with us according to the scriptures. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. And they're in the midst of them. Not just to watch them. But to make sure everything that is spoken. Every word that is spoken. As is believed. He begins to work. He assigns angels. Ministering spirits. To make sure those things are taken care of. So his word doesn't fall to the ground. It doesn't return to him void. That's the God that we serve. I'm expecting great things for your life. Amen. I'm expecting God to do great things in your life. I'm expecting God to change that negative situation, that nasty situation in your life that irritates you. I'm expecting God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm expecting Him to change that thing in your life, to transform your situation by a miracle that will give Him glory and praise in the house of God. I'm expecting a major change in your situation. I'm expecting God to do great things for you because the God that we are serving, He's alive and He's well and Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand and no evil shall come near your dwelling. No evil shall touch your children because God is at work in your life. Our God is alive forevermore. Our God tasted death for us once. He suffered once for us so that we will not suffer the attacks of the enemy. God is with us. And God's going to bless your family and make your family great according to the word of God. God's going to bless your finances and make your finances great according to the word of God. These things that are troubling your heart, that gives you unrest, God's going to change those things and make them, make them turn those things from water into wine so that you can rejoice in Him and glorify His name on the earth. That's what He wants. So that the world will know that He is God. And there is no other God beside him. And when he speaks, his word never returns to him in void. Something is changing right now in your situation in Jesus' name. Something is changing right now by the power of the name of Jesus. Something is changing right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Something is changing right now for the better in your life in Jesus' name. And God will get the glory. God's going to be praised. 
Something new is happening in your life. An angel has been assigned to your situation right now. Let me say angels have been assigned to your situation. And better days are ahead of you because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that is upon your life. And you are one of the untouchables on the earth. No one can touch you because you are the apple of God's eyes. And he loves you dearly. He loves your family. He's going to take care of you. Everything that concerns you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. He takes care of his own. He knows those that are his. And he takes good care of them. He is the good shepherd. Because he takes care of the sheep. And you are his sheep. He's going to take good care of you. I need you to believe that. Those things that are impossible. God will make them possible. Before this year runs out. In the name of Jesus. God will do just that. Fear not my people, because I have called you to myself. I've loved you with an undying love. I will take care of you. I will lift up your head. I have promised in my word. I will never allow you to suffer shame. I will take care of you. I will minister to your needs. I will bless you. I will show myself strong on your behalf, so that you might glorify my name and exalt the name of the Savior. Amen. Amen. Expect something good coming into your life. That's what Christianity is all about. It's good news. Good news for the people of God. Good news for the people of the earth. He says when the angels sang, Glory to God, the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. And that's you. Amen? That's you, Paul. That's you. That's you. David, that's you. That's you. Let's worship him tonight. I know we're spending some time, but give him praise. When you praise him, that means you believe it. When you praise him from the heart and you give him thanks, you're saying, God, I believe it. My situation is going to change. I believe you, O God. My situation will change. Every one of us going through something. But I hear the sound of rain. I hear the sound of abundance coming your way in the name of Jesus. And there's nothing to fear because God is with you. And if God is with you, who can be against you? Nothing on earth can be against you. We need to be responsible as God. Tell Him to teach you. How to be responsible. Amen. God, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Show me how. I'm ready. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. There is good in the land. Can I hear an amen? There is good in the land. Can you say it with me? There is good in the land. There is good in the land. And it's for us. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.